welcome to the Christian Call Center where Jesus is on the main line and we're online too. Happy Friday, everyone. We are back for another episode. Yay. And y'all, we have some new voices on today's episode. We have Miss Symphony from the DMV. We got Brother Sylvester Crawford and our very own First Lady, Brittany Allman. So just a little background. Just a little background on our guests. On our guests. I'm sorry, y'all. On our guests. Symphony is from the DMV, and she has her own podcast as well. Her podcast is called The Christian Homegirl. So y'all go ahead and support her as well. Take a listen, tune in. Brother Crawford is one of our ministers at Full Gospel United Pentecostal Church. And as I said, Sister Brittany is our first lady. The best first lady there is. No shade to the other first ladies out there. Um, But yeah, there's a little background on our guests. We appreciate, appreciate you all for being our first time guest on the Christian Call Center. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, the- Thanks Thank for having me. All right. So today's episode is talking about modesty. So we'd like to know personally how each of you would define modesty. I don't know who wants to go first. Anybody's got a... First lady, you want to start us off? Okay, cool. Um, when I when I think about modesty, honestly, the first thing I think about um, is um, meekness. Almost at the same time, um, knowing that meekness is is like when you're when you have a meek spirit or somebody that's being meek, it's like you you're kind of you could do something, but you have the strength to restrain. Um, modesty to me is, uh, not being proud, um, or not overly doing something where you probably could, but, um, doing something in moderation, I guess, is what it comes to mind. Okay. I would go, I would say, uh, along those, those same lines, I see modesty as a way of living. Uh, it all starts from within as within, as without. Um, modesty to me is also, is not, is not self-promoting, uh, self-promoting the deeds of the flesh. Um, it's not saying, hey, look at me, look at me. It's, it's seeking to, to, uh, to see how we can help others without drawing attention to ourselves. Um, but I think it all starts from, I know it all starts from within. So I definitely agree. And I think uh, I agree. But what I want to add on is that modesty is definitely a mindset where you are in your mind definitely impacts uh, the level of self-control you have, which your self-control directly impacts your level of modesty. So I know everyone has a different their own definitions, but it all is a mind thing. Okay, so based on what everybody talked about it it kind of it was like there's there's rules but it's also based on your character and sister Brittany 
came straight out with talking about meekness and humility. So alongside humility, do you think there's any other character traits a modest person should have? Uh, definitely. Um, if, if you're, if, of course, everything has to start inside, you know, you cleaning the outside of the cup saying, I'm gonna be modest for others to see and not being like truly modest inside uh, fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be, you know, think about those things being long suffering, um, being meet your meekness, um, loving, you know, can you do those characteristics first, you know? Um, so yeah, those for me, um, those are the characteristics of um, someone being modest or, or, or trying to live a modest life is living out the fruit of the spirit. Um, and then for me, modesty, uh, I, you said rule for me, it's not a rule. Um, for me, it is a principle that you, okay. that I was taught, um, from my mom, my mom never gave me rules, um, about, um, living about the way I treated people. She gave me principles. And from those principles, I was able to live and to guide, you know, what I did and what I didn't do. Because if, if she just gave me rules, it would be like, don't, you know, don't eat this or don't talk to Johnny, but I can go talk to somebody else that look just like Johnny, act just like Johnny, but because that's a rule, but the principle is, you know, make sure that he's kind, he's loving, um, even in what we're putting in our bodies, eating in moderation, you know, so there's a lot of things that can kind of tie into that. Okay. Anybody got anything to add to that? Now, I would say she, she did a, a wonderful job of, of, of covering that. Um, you know, rules, rules are made to be broken, you know, and, and uh, we all heard that before. Uh, I, I tend to try to follow it, you know, but at the same time, when we when we think of a rule, um, then then it becomes, well, why is this your rule and not someone else's rule? Right. But principles, that's that's principles are universal. And so I like what uh, what Sister Brittany was Brittany was saying about the principle, um, because if we have a bunch of rules, then you can have a rule, but don't really know why it's there. But when you have the principle, I'm going to teach you the how and the why behind what I'm telling you to do, uh, what I'm asking you to do, or what I'm showing you what the word is saying to do. Because it's one thing for me, like with my kids, uh, to tell them, hey, this is what I want you to do. But it's another thing when I can find it in the word of God and say, this is what the word is saying. Right. Because now it's not just daddy, but this is what what God is saying. Um, and I'm, I'm just uh, being his mouthpiece at this time. Um, so definitely not rules, but principles. I, I love that, Sister Britton. And one thing I want to add on really quickly is that I, I also agree that it's not a rule because rules are very conditional. You know, when we were kids, our parents, you know, we had we had rules, certain things we could and couldn't do. And that was for that specific time in our lives. So I feel like modesty is more so a lifestyle than a rule because a lifestyle especially one that's based in God, it will never, you will never grow out of it. You know, you'll just grow deeper into your relationship with God and it, it may evolve, but it, you'll never grow out of it like you do rules. Okay. That was, I like that, that, that shifting away from a rule book to a way of life, a lifestyle, because it goes back to 
the concept of being a Christian altogether. It's about living a lifestyle, not living to follow rules. But that also brings me to the question of, is modesty strictly a Christian thing? Because I know we ha we follow a, a, or we live by a principle of modesty, or we're supposed to, or we would like to, I, was, I should say, we would like to live by a principle of modesty. But is it only something that applies to us as Christians? Or is it something that everybody can take and live by? if that makes sense so i definitely i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i definitely feel like this is something that uh, even people outside of christianity do based on the definition of modesty um so the word modesty has three different definitions but the one i'm talking about it says a behavior manner or appearance attended to avoid inappropriate or indecency so a lot of times when we see modesty outside of christianity people will say it's being classy or, you know, you're, you're, you're being ladylike, but it's, it's all at the end of the day, it all comes back to the same principle, the base principle, which is modesty. Okay. I would agree. I mean, if <laughs> um, many of us, um, if not all of us have been to Chick-fil-A, right? So they have, you know, why do you keep going back? The chicken is great. The waffles are great waffle fries, you know, but it's, it's the, the service that you get. When I go there, I know what type of service I'm going to get there. Um, when you go to, why do we call it fine dining? You know, why, why isn't McDonald's fine dining? You know, <laughs> you know, so I believe so. And even, you know, even the wealthy people, a lot of things that, that we see and we call upper class or we, we call, um, like the sister was saying, um, you know, we call it, we see it in the world, but it's all based off of biblical principles. You know, it's just they're, they're applying biblical principles where they may or may not even know that they're doing it, you know? So I, I agree totally that it applies regardless. If Even if you don't know that you're doing it, I think sometimes it applies. So then based on that logic, is there a right or wrong way to be modest? And if there is or isn't, can I you think um, the first thing is 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 knowing the audience, right? Uh, the person we're, we're speaking to, because if I'm talking to someone who can care less about God, then I got to get them to that part first, where they start believing in God, and then they begin to believe in His Word, and then we can talk about the modesty issue as that part comes, but that's like the, the bigger fish to fry before that. Mm -hmm. So assuming that we are talking to people who say that, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in the word of God. I believe in this Bible. This Bible is here for instructions, right? We all heard of basic instructions before leaving earth. Mm -hmm. Then if I, if I consider myself to be a Christian, then what I want to do is find out what the Bible has to say about modesty. So for me, that right or wrong way would be what God uh, says about modesty, the, the way that we, we should be uh, with our lives in, as a whole. Um, so, and also, I believe that modesty, as uh, Symphony said, it's, I think it's it, what's modest at one time 
right? As you begin to progress in God, not regress, but as we begin to progress in God, well, you know, it, it may look different down the road than what it looks right now as a babe in Christ. When you're looking at somebody who's been in the Lord for 20 years versus someone who's been in for two months, you know? So um, having that relationship with God, not religion, but having that relationship with God, you know, God may tell me something that he may not tell you, brother, and I have to do what he's telling me, right? So now we graduate from hearing it only from the man of God or only from parents to us having that personal relationship. Um, and then God will direct us as to what we should be doing or what we should not be doing. But there are some foundational things that um, I don't need God to convict me of because it's already in the word. You right. see what I'm saying? I have to, well, I ain't get a conviction on that. Well, it's in the Bible. So let's roll with that first and we'll graduate to the other stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I can, I can, I can, under, I can see where that, I can see where that's coming from because it's like, if, if, if we can't move from, like you said, it's, it's a principle thing. We've been, we've been talking about this principle thing, the whole conversation. And if we can't, grasp the principles that we can't move on to okay i can do this and this and this and understand why i'm doing it and then therefore live rather than just following rules because it says so so okay um okay as we talked about because brother sylvester you brought up a really good point about being moving from being a babe in Christ to moving up. So I know each of us has had, I would say everybody's had a journey as far as this Christian pathways go. So what what did that journey in understanding modesty look like if y'all feel like sharing that? I think for me it um it it did exactly what um symphony and brother crawford said it went from just you know what i was hearing as a child to a personal relationship um for me i grew up in the church been in church all my life um my mom you know my parents you know we went to church uh we were there doors open we were there till the doors closed you know so slept on the pew did it all you know um so growing up once i got married um, you know, now I'm in my own house. And for me, I had to really evaluate myself to say, you know, do I still apply these principles to my life? You know, then it became a personal relationship. It was already a, a personal relationship before, even when I was in my parents' house, but now it's, now you're raising children. Now I have children and, you know, standing on those same principles. So it grew with me. It grew with me because it became more personal. It wasn't just what my pastor was saying. It wasn't just because I was in the United States. You know, we lived in Europe. Nobody knew us. I could have reinvented who I was <laughs> in Europe and nobody would have known, known any different because I'm across the sea, you know what I'm saying? But the principles, because they were principles given to me, they stood the test of time. Regardless of where I was on this earth, It it the principles that I was taught in, about modesty and about living, about giving, you know, in, about the Bible, period, it it stayed with me. So I didn't have to um, to weigh it out like, uh, do I really still want to do this because I'm not in my mom's house? It had nothing to do with my mom at that point. 
it was the Bible. It was it was because of the word of God. It was because I had a personal relationship with God. It had any nothing to do with my husband, um, or or even my children. It had it had to be me first, me and my relationship with God. But then of course when I had kids, um, then I'm sharing those same principles again with them. So it grew with me. It grew because my relationship with God grew. That's why it grew. So for me, um, I also grew up in the church, but I had my time away. So I left when I was 19, I think. And then at 21, I rededicated my life back to God. So that those years between 18 and 21, I wasn't dressed in modest. I just kind of dressed however I want to. Now, of course, uh, that doesn't always mean dressing revealing. I just wore whatever I liked, whatever I felt comfortable in. Sometimes it was revealing. Sometimes it wasn't. I just really went with how I felt. So coming back to Christ, I kind of went through a transition period where I was lukewarm. So I was I was trying to follow God, but still trying to figure out what was right and know him for myself because I never had a personal relationship with him. But once my conviction started to grow stronger, it was easier for me to to live a more modest lifestyle just because a lot of things that I used to do during my time away from the Lord and time away from church, it just felt weird. Like it didn't feel like me. So it was a it was a transition and an interesting one nonetheless. But, you know, the Lord helped me and completely just changed my desires in every aspect of life. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am in my modesty. I would say um, for me, a, a lot of times we deal with, we, we heard of self-esteem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's something called others' esteem. And a lot of times we do things so that other people can esteem us so we can feel better about ourselves. Um, and it can come to come down to the way we dress and what we do. Um, and I can recall as a teenager, when I would wear certain things, my number one thought in my mind would be, when they see me walk in a club with this, they're gonna be looking. Yeah. Right? And so, and so at a party or whatever it was, uh, I was a teenager, so it wasn't too many clubs, although I, I got my fair share of clubs at an early age, but, you know, always wondering, how would this make me look to them? So I got these bracelets, I got the little chain, I got the little medallion going, right? So now they see that, they're going to think I got money in my pocket. Broke is a joke. I don't have no money in my pocket. But I'm trying to look like it because I want other people to esteem me because my self-esteem wasn't where it should have been. Mm -hmm. So now I think the more trinkets and the more things I can put on, I can, I can, I can compensate for what I didn't have inside. And so as I as I came to Christ and start to grow in Christ, I start to realize this stuff that I was putting on, the stuff I was wearing, or having to make sure I looked a certain way, it it was about me trying to win over people or to make people feel a certain way about me. And when I think about that, I wasn't thinking nothing about God. It wasn't how am I looking, how am I representing God? It was all on who I can get to look at me, right? And as I, as God started becoming the focus of my life, then my life became more modest because I wasn't no longer concerned with what this person thought or how I would look if I had this and they saw me with the nudist and nobody else got it. I wasn't worried about that no more. I was just focused on on God, right? And so um, 
you know, that's that's how my journey started, uh, you know, from a modesty standpoint. Also, I watched it with with my uh, late bishop, Bishop Allman. I mean, I watched his life. And so, uh, you know, you can catch a lot of things just by watching. So I was able to see the way he lived his life and uh, and how humble he was and how he just acted as a man. And, um, you know, a lot of that, I would like to say a, a lot of it, a, a nice amount of it fell over to me, you know, and I'm still working. I'm still a work in progress, but, uh, I'm, you know, I thank God I, I'm moving in the right direction. Not to leave it all on our guests, I think I can I can share my modesty story. Um, for me, I would say a lot of my story is similar to yours, Brother Sylvester, just thinking about looking at how other people view how I look, because I was never really a person who, like, to... I was worried a lot about how other people looked at me, you know, especially growing up as a teenager in in a big city like New York and in a big city like Baltimore. It's like, if you're not dressed a certain way, you ain't it, you know? So it was trying to, and then coming from the household I came from, it's like, you dress the way you're supposed to dress. You're not leaving this house unless you dress properly. You know, so it was having to navigate that and also navigate being a teenager in the 2000s, 2010s. And and then on top of all of that, understanding my place as a child of God, as a Christian and deciding, well, am I dressing for my parents approval? Am I dressing for my friends approval or am I dressing because I need to dress how I should dress because I'm supposed to look the way I should look as a child of God. And I can still say I'm a work in progress, but I can also say that I've come to the place where I need to carry myself a certain way, because if I don't like, yes, being who I'm supposed to be on the inside is important, but also making it look how it's supposed to look on the outside has a lot to do with it because I can be great on the inside, but if nobody sees the good appearance on the outside, a lot of people will look, look away and be like, well, I don't want to look like that because I can just dress how I'm dressing or I can just live how I'm living. Cause it's, it's for me, it's a similar principle. Modesty is a similar principle to anything related to Christianity. If I don't live it out, the right way, then people are just gonna be like, well, I could just do what I want anyway. Because if you're doing what I'm doing, then why should I change how I'm living? So I just want to add to um when you were you when you were talking it it the thought came across my mind how um you know we're we're King's kids, we're royalty. And if you look at the Queen and the royal family if you even research, there are certain things they cannot do because of who they are, right? There are certain things they can't wear, there's certain things they can't eat and drink. You know, it's a whole deal uh, for them, but it's just, I mean, how much more, you know, children of, of God, you know, that we should, you know, hold ourselves, you know, to a standard that of the Bible, obviously, not just of what men, people want 
us to see, but there, there's a certain way they carry themselves for a reason because they are royalty and we are royalty. We are, are, we are Christians. We are kids of the King. So, you know, I just thought about that when you were saying that, John, that, you know, there is a reason why. Do either of my co-hosts want to hop in? Um, for me, my story is kind of similar to Symphony's. Um, once I left home for college, everything, like the principles and everything that I was taught, kind of went out the window because I felt I was grown. I can do what I want to do. I'm not in the house no more. So I started dressing how I wanted to dress, doing what I, I wouldn't say wilding out, but I would do stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. And I was, I grew up in church. I've been in church all my life. But at some point, I, I started getting, I started feeling convicted about some of the stuff that I wore, some of the stuff that I did. And when I rededicated my life, that's when the change happened. Like, I started, you know, cutting those habits. I started dressing a certain way. I'm still a work in progress. You know, I'm still working on it. So, yeah, that's pretty much my story. Um, for me personally, I'm honestly, I'm grateful for this conversation because it helped me to understand kind of where my mindset is, especially with the concept of principles and rules, because I, I think for me, I was given a lot of rules. I was told what I am and am not supposed to do. And because of that, I think like it did give me a solid foundation, but I think when I left home, it also like made me almost struggle with my identity and helped me. I didn't know what I was supposed to do by myself. I knew what my parents told me. And I think that uh, tags along to what you guys were saying about having your own personal relationship with God. I really started to develop that like a year before I left home because in my head, I was always covered by my parents. Like I'm good. Like I said, last episode, like I got a one way ticket to heaven because my parents are preachers. So when, when I left home, you know, I think at that point I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what is my identity? What is my idea of fashion? Like, what is my, how am I supposed to dress? How, like, who am I as an individual independent of my parents as a pastor's kid, as a, a child of God, someone who grew up in church, I was trying to figure out that identity. And then in that, I was like, well, I need to figure out what, what kind of clothes I should wear, what fits my body type, like all of those experimentations. And like the only way I can like, quote unquote, be rebellious, because I wasn't going to get a tattoo, I wasn't going to get anything pierced was to experiment with hair color. So like now, that's when I started wearing all of like the different types of hair color, because that was, I think, my own way of like, figuring out like my own modesty journey, because I knew and I never colored my own personal hair, I always colored everything else, because I'm like, well, I'm not going to mess up my hair just in case god decides like well that wasn't right it burns all my hair off like i'm not <laughs> do that so i think that's kind of where i i was learning not necessarily these rules anymore or staying away from the rules and going down the principles of what what am i taking that is going to personally apply to me what is what is the lifestyle that i'm going to live versus the things that I was taught and the things that I was told, while I agree with all of those things, I now have to adapt that as part of my life. And that's where my modesty journey has led me to.
Awesome. So I think we all had some interesting points and they bring up some, I guess some, I wouldn't call them nitpicky questions, but more so like differences in the trajectory of our stories. And especially to uh, to you, Brother Sylvester, because I know, I feel like as, as a man, we don't really get the modesty lectures as much because I feel like it's in a way easier for us. So I wanted to know, especially for you, um, how as a man is being modest, how do we navigate being modest as men? I would, I would start off by saying uh, for men, a lot of times um, it's, it's pride for us, right? And so we have to, we have to humble ourselves, right? And for us, humbling ourselves, clothing ourselves in humility, um, it, 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 it's our version of being modest for, for the most part. Uh, we still have to, you know, look at certain things because we have to still uh, kill the deeds of the flesh, right? And so we know that, uh, you know, as we look at the deeds of the flesh, we got, you know, certain things, uh, sexual imm immorality, different things like that. So um, I think first off, putting ourselves in, in a position whereas we are uh, putting ourselves under subjection to, to someone else, right? As a mentor, as a pastor, as a leader, right? And so that, that helps us to navigate that curve because for most of us, um, you know, once you get to a certain age, man, I'm my own man. I don't need no man telling me this. I don't need no, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man, dude. You ain't going to talk to me like you crazy, you know? So so <laughs> getting that pride thing on the wraps um, is is us helping, is us, for, for men, I would say, modesty modesty in our attitudes right modesty in the way that we approach things um modesty and not and in, in not uh not having wrath right lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting you know um so those are a lot of things we have to work on but i think the pride thing is big for us you know as men right you know we you know, we don't need nobody we we got this i'll do this myself i don't need i can i can do this i'm a grown man you know so i think if we can if we can focus on that and then as we deal with the pride, then we begin to get in alignment properly because we have ourselves under our pastor, under our leader, under our mentors, right? And so now uh, Bishop Albany used to say, hey, if you don't have somebody who can tell you, sit down and shut up and you listen, then you need to get you some mentors in your life. Now, that shut up word is a big word. We don't, we don't like to use that word in our house. And I, but I knew what he meant, right? Like somebody, you're getting out the way. So, but man, sit down and be quiet and be, and, and you just sit down and listen. Why? Because because you have placed yourself under subjection to that person by choice, and you value them. So if they tell you to sit down and listen, you know what? I, I am a grown man, but because you said it, I'm a listen, right? And so having those people in our lives, it helps us to 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 stay humble. Right. It helps us to not get over uh, indulged into ourselves and who we are and how great we are. So um, 
And as we do that, then we also, as I say, we get in alignment and we and we begin to make sure, you know what? Um, yeah, we always, you know, hit women with the modesty thing, but you know, we we got a lot of brothers out here now. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Used to be a, a woman, and we all grown, right? Uh, some of us, I guess, right? But used to be a woman would 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 you know put on clothes and and look in a mirror, look back, make sure it's just tight enough. But not some of these tight jeans these brothers wearing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. So we may have to start talking about modesty. <laughs> you know, I heard a preacher say, "Man, your, your jeans so tight you can you can see the date of the quarter. You can see the year the quarter was made." You know, so we 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 got we, we as we go on and on in this society is 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 more and more of a discussion for men as well uh modesty uh and and not trying to wear stuff just so you can be over sexualized so you can attract people because you know as i told you growing up i thought if i wore certain, wore certain things i could get certain people you know i was talking to a guy here recently and he was telling me and I, i'm i'm witnessing to him but he don't know it yet so i'm like getting in his brain getting in his mind asking him questions and he's like yeah man he said bro i'm telling you man today and all you gotta do, bro, just put a chain on. All you need to do is put a chain on. I'm telling you, man, you put a chain on, that's it. They're gonna like you, man. That's gonna that's gonna bring you up a few notches. You gotta put on a chain. And I'm just thinking, like, a chain? And then another guy walked up and he said, Man, tell him you got all you need is a chain these days. Another guy was like, Yeah, man, they love chains. Now I don't know if they love chains or not, but it was a big thing. He felt if I have on a chain. It's gonna bring my 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 value up, and now people are gonna like me, right? And so, from a modesty standpoint, uh, if if I'm him and I'm coming to God, I'm coming to know God. That's probably one of the things I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Lord will be dealing with me on, like, okay, you wearing this chain because you think this is gonna bring up your numbers, so now you can get so many phone numbers tonight. Well, what is that gonna do? How is that increasing you in the Holy Ghost? How is that increasing your walk with me? You know, so that probably be the first thing you tell me take off, right? Because instead of me trying to get the chain to get the relationships with them, I need to be taking it off so I can be focusing on him, right? So uh, I, I think I'm talking too much, but but <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of uh, you know having ourselves under under subjection and being clothed in humility. I think is is modesty for men. You mentioned a lot of. Um character traits but i'm wondering as far as like attire um because i often think about like um i think about my uh high school graduation because we were as women we were supposed to wear floor length white dresses and because that was the tradition for our um high school but i remember receiving the paper that came home where like the rules for the guys were like this and then the rules for the women were like full page, like front and back. And it's just like a lot of times there's so many rules for women and their attire, but not enough rules or mentions of what is modest or appropriate for guys. So like how, what would you say in regards to that as far as like what, as far as attire goes, what is modest attire for a man? Well, um and, and going back to what you just said like with the rules right 
a lot of these, when it comes to attraction, when it comes to attraction, men are, are, are more attracted by what they see. Women, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, they're more attracted by the feeling of how they feel. And so when you look at what society does, society will make uh, garments and outfits and different things so that it can make the woman enhance certain things so that the man can be attracted. And the women put on the things so that the man could be what? Attracted. So, um, you know, women, you, and if you think about how long it takes for a woman to get dressed and how long it takes for a man to get dressed. Well, some of these brothers these days, I don't know, but. I was about to general, say that. Some of them are taking a little longer than us now. <laughs> you know, in general, generally speaking, it's because there's so much more for them uh, to do, or so much more that they want to do, put it like that. Um, so when it comes to to that that question, I think, you know, typically uh there's a lot more for a man to look at and be attracted than a woman so for me you know i, I put on a pair of jeans and a shirt i'm good whereas you know when it comes to uh young ladies especially as they're getting older and developing it, it is certain things you wouldn't want them to do and a lot of times if i'm in a situation where i'm dealing with a, a you know young ladies and young men I'm going to have things in place that I'm telling them, hey, this is what we want to do. Why? Because I know for the last 80 hours that week, they were strolling on, scrolling on social media and social media was showing them something totally different than what God said they should look like. And so I got to have things in place because they are already, faith comes by what? By hearing. And, and, and not just the, the word of God, it comes by hearing things that are contrary to the word of God. And most of us spend more time on social media getting, getting bombarded with things that are contrary to God's word than we spend in church and in, and praying, right? So everything is, is telling us what we should look like. So so from that standpoint, I'm going to uh, to to spend some time dealing with that, you know, dealing with, okay, make sure we look like this, we have this, we have that, because I know if we don't do it, then people are going to probably look like what they saw somebody on Instagram look like. Right. And so it'd be my fault as the leader if I didn't tell them. Whereas men, I mean, hey, dude, pull your pants up, put on a belt, put your shirt inside your pants. You know, now for the woman, we're about to say, hey, that's too tight, that's too short. Uh, pull this part up, take this part back, get a pin right here. Hey, let me give you a whole blanket to just cover your whole body. <laughs> I don't know if I answered that, but I would let somebody else talk. No, that that you made a lot of good points, but I do want to open it up to the women. Like, what are your opinions? And then also speaking of the attire of women, like, what is what do you think about that? So I feel like as I've uh, grown in my relationship with Christ, my idea of modesty has definitely changed because. When I used to think of modest, it's giving grandma, giving very much frumpy and unflattering. <laughs> but I recently took a styling class to find out, you know, the what, you know, my body type is and how to dress in a way that I can be confident and still covered. And it was very informational. Um, so I think that I think it's just finding your personal style. But, you know, I how I 
determine if something is modest and this might be a little corny it's okay if i put it on and i'm standing in the mirror and i ask myself if god was standing right here next to me would i wear this if the answer is no i gotta take it off <laughs> i gotta take it off because it's like if i wouldn't do it in front of god if i'm you know we i think we all want to make it to heaven i will hope so you know we're gonna be in his presence all the time so i feel like i should also live like that down here um so that's kind of how i determine it I know Easter Sunday just passed, Resurrection Sunday. I don't celebrate Easter, but Resurrection Sunday. And I had ordered this really cute dress and I didn't try it on. And so I was getting ready and I I walked in my mom's bathroom. I was like, I can't go to church because my dress too short. This is it's a whole lot of wrong. And she was like, well, just throw something on, throw something on. So I did end up going to church, but it's just, it was very interesting because it was in that moment how I saw, you know, the, the transition because at first you know I didn't care if it was short and I liked it I would put it on but now I'm like I can't be seen in this um so it just all goes back to your personal relationship with Christ one thing I do want to touch on really quickly um that brother Crawford said um when it comes to guys is pride and something that that's really interesting about that is modest if modesty is rooted in pride then it is, it has a direct impact on your relationship with God because pride puts you at enmity with God. So in a prideful state, you are now on his defense. He has to be at a defense against you. So once you humble yourself, you are able to appreciate modesty, you know, in its fullness, I think. I, I love your, your answer. Uh, to the mirror, I'm gonna use that one. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I feel like that's really good. Um, but also for for me, um, going back, it is it, my pers my personal relationship with God. Um, how do I determine if if what I'm going to wear is modest? I I feel like my my body belongs to to Christ. My body belongs to God. Um, now that I'm married, my, my body belongs to my husband and I don't think God nor my husband would appreciate, um, other men appreciating, uh, the gifts that God has given me, you know, um, and keeping, keeping them under wraps is <laughs> probably the best thing to do. Um, um, so I, that's, that's one thing I think about. And, um, when I was, you know, coming up a scripture that kind of, that stuck out to me and was a scripture in, um, it was in Psalms of Solomon. And if you read Psalms of Solomon, you know, he's very descriptive about the body. And there's this one verse, I, I, I promise you, I don't even know what the rest of the service was about. I just heard this one verse in, in, in church one day and it was describing the woman's thighs, like her thighs are like jewels. And I thought about this other conversation that I heard about how jewels, precious jewels in this world are covered. Diamonds, where are diamonds? Where are your pearls? Where are your rubies? In order to get to them, you have to work. So this is not no free for all. You know, you don't, we're not just going to the surface and picking up diamonds and everybody's picking up rubies. You have to work to get to them and they are also covered. So for me, that really stuck out and I was like, you know what? I might need to pull this hemline down just a smidge, you know, just to, and so I, I, I'm thinking about that. Like if my body is a treasure, I, it's not a free for all. It's not just, you know, just out to be displayed. I'm going to, to look at what I'm wearing. I'm looking, I'm gonna turn around and look at what you're looking at to make sure 
that you know is is not immodest you know um and then you know knowing when i in my everyday when i'm at church or if, if i'm wherever i am everybody's not a christian everybody's not trying to live for god so i don't want to be a distraction like you know i'm all immodest and i'm trying to tell you about god well he can't concentrate because he's looking somewhere else because his mind is not on jesus he is not because that's not where his focus is right so i'm gonna help you by helping myself and, and <laughs> trying my best to be modest and even i have some dresses that uh i won't wear with heels if I wear the dress, it has to be flat because the higher your heel, it makes it elevate, you know? And so again, just like the class, um, Ms. Tiffany um, said, I, we took some of those classes, how to sit in a skirt, how to cross your knees, you know, how to walk properly, um, how to wear a slip, <laughs> um, you know, just how to wear undergarments, your undergarments make your garment. Like these are things that I was taught growing up. So now I can wear a, um, maybe something that's a little bit, maybe not too tight, but maybe form fitting. But if I have the right undergarments on, you're not looking at my panty line. You're not looking all at the rolls that I need to lose because it's modest, right? So it's just those little things that I've, I've learned. And so for me, that's what I'm looking at when I'm getting dressed. Like, am I showing too much and, you know, different stuff like that. So that's kind of my, my thing. All I have to say is after all that, if you don't go in your closet and get your life together, you wasn't listening. Because that right there just made me think Thanks. of every single piece of clothing I have in my closet and what I need Thanks. to get rid of. I'm like, oh, my God. But I do have a question, though, because we have listeners who may not be um, Christian. So I want to talk a little bit about this concept of my body, my choice, and like this body positivity movement. And a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of it is just more so of, you know, it's my body. If I want to show it, I want to show it. And, and, you know, a lot of people who are of a certain way are like, okay, well, I'm going to wear this and wear that. Like, the, I, I, I appreciate, like the concept of appreciating your body is a good thing and loving the skin that you're in, but in tagging that, tagging that onto a modest concept, like how would you address those people who are saying these things? and also teaching these to children because it's all over social media. All right, silence crickets. Like y'all gotta think about that one for a second. I would agree with the idea of yes, it is your body. Um that that it is your body, but um I, honestly, I don't even know if we could even really have a conversation. Um, because only because if, if that's your mindset, you know, how do I help you? How do I help you come to understand modesty? How do I get to help? How, how do you do that? I get to honest for me, I guess I'm a actually answering your question with question. How do you get a person first to say, you know, you know, you to dish body, but why should I, why should I dress modestly? And why should I do? do these things. I first, I think it's a mindset first you have to address um, with that individual. So my body, my choice, and you want to show everything. Well, why? What is the driving force behind? I guess you can't answer that question because that's, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. What, why are you doing it? What's the why behind what you're doing? Are you doing this to be rebellious? Are you doing it because, you know, at one point people said you couldn't. So now they feel like, Brother Crawford, I'm grown now. So I can't, like, what's the motivation behind 
what you are doing would be my question. I maybe not answered your question, but throughout another question with that. So I don't know if you can have the conversation. Maybe somebody else can know. Anybody else want to comment? To be honest, I have never been interested in having that conversation. And I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of unbelievers, they're so um, content in their unbelief that it's like, you're not going to change my mind and I'm not going to change your mind. And that's okay. Um, my mom used to tell me this all the time. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And while as a believer, that's really, that's something really good to stand on because, you know, when you stand for Jesus, you know, that's awesome. But people have also adapted that attitude in the world. So you really can't tell them anything about anything. So I, and I honestly, I truly feel like people will not understand the point of modesty without a relationship with God. Um, because when you have a relationship with God, you understand that you live for something that you live for someone that's way bigger than you. Your purpose on this earth is way bigger than you. The people you are meant to impact on your walk throughout life is bigger than you. When you understand that, it may, it doesn't make it easier, but you understand why you have to die to your flesh and why you have to be modest and why, why you have to watch what you say, you know, that having a relationship with God there comes that revelation. So without that, it's kind of hard to even understand, you know, what's the point in being modest? What's the point in taking this time to pin my my shirt together so my cleavage doesn't show when I could just leave out the house like this? You know, they I feel like they un, unfortunately don't see the point. So I'm not a fan of arguing. I'm not a fan of wasting my breath. So if I've if I've if there's a conversation that has been started and I and I am seeing early on that it's not going to go anywhere i will most likely gracefully bow out of the conversation um and i will you know lord i don't know why that happened um but if that conversation happened for me to even drop a seed in somebody's heart then thank you for the opportunity if that was me listening to my own selfish ambition i repent and go on about my day <laughs> i would uh I, I agree with, with both of you guys. Um, I think a lot of times when we when we see what's happening in the world, it's not something that just, oh, it just happened. But it's a seed that was planted years and years ago that begins to grow, right? Um, now, I know for, for a lot of people hearing this, their, their favorite uh, preacher, young and old, is probably Tupac, right? And so... Tupac said, only God can judge me. And so after Tupac said, only God can judge me, anytime you tell anybody something that's different than what they want to do, the first thing they say is, stop what? Judging. Well, I'm not judging you if you're saying you are a Christian, like I'm a Christian, and the word is saying this is the direction we should be going. And if you're going in a different direction, how, how am I judging you? By saying, hey, based on what this map is saying, you're trying to go to New Orleans, but you're headed west. Don't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm supposed to be helping you. I, I would want you to help me if I'm going in the wrong direction. Uh, but I said all I have to say this uh, years and years and years ago, 
a Satanist by the name of uh, Alistair Crowley, he said something that's coined and says, uh, do as thou wilt, do what you want to do. And so with everything that you said, what I'm hearing is his words from the seed he planted years ago, which is do what you want to do. If you want to do it, then you do it. And that's the way this world is right now. Whatever we can think of in our minds that we want to do, then we're doing it. We don't care about what's happening, uh, how, how anyone would think about this. And forget anyone else. We don't care about what God would think about this because we want to do what we want to do. And, um, and you got to you gotta first catch the person where they are. So if they're not Christian, it's, it's kind of hard to even have that conversation because it's like, you tell me about something I don't even, that doesn't matter because I don't even believe in that, right? So it's just um, asking God to open up those opportunities to minister to them for them to be open and receptive so they can get the foundation, then we can, we can graduate to the other stuff. All right. So what it boils down to is we say all this to say, and for our listeners out there, this is not to be preachy. I want to say this again. This is not to be preachy. But we have to understand that what it boils down to is, like has been said, it's a pride thing. It's a selfish versus selfless thing. All of this, all of this boils into similar principles. If we don't understand how we affect ourselves and each other, then we can't live a certain way. And and Brother Sylvester, to your point about living in a way, people who living do what they want. Like you said, they're not caring about the other people. They're not caring about God, and they're not caring about themselves. Because if I just do something just because it pops into my head to do it, then I'm not thinking about the consequences. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about five minutes from now. I'm just thinking about, okay, I feel like doing this, so I'm going to do it. And that can apply to a lot of things outside of modesty, but because we're having this conversation about modesty, that's what we'll, you know, tack it to. So, you know, it was, it was, it was nice to have this conversation and i think this is a good time to lead us to i know it man i like me i can only mean one thing it's my favorite part of the show yay it's time for our hotline now normally in our hotline we would do a little uh question and somebody would answer it. It was kind of like off subject. Nobody knows what it is. But because we have guests today, I thought it would be fun if we played a little game. So we are going to split into teams. We are going to have the girls versus the boys, minus me and Brandy, because we're, we're going to be hosting and taking scores. So Symphony and First Lady, you're on one team. And John and Brother Sylvester <laughs> on another team. Okay, and all we're doing is just do going through some little biblical facts. So I'm gonna ask you some questions about the Bible, and we have a little like raised hand energy on the um, 
the screen. So whenever you're ready to answer the question, just click the raise hand and uh, Brandy will be watching and she'll call on the correct person. Okay. And for our listeners and our guests, I want y'all to know that I knew nothing about this game before <laughs> she just told us about it. So if y'all think I cheated, I didn't cheat because I had no idea what was happening. Me they and just Brandy be playing a game tonight. <laughs> and we just wanted to do something different. Um, so that's the reason why we are doing it this way. So are you guys ready? Are you I excited? hope so. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. We're going to start really easy. All right. Brandy, you ready? You watching? Make sure you call on the right person. Okay. Who was the first man and woman of the Bible? Sister Britt. Adam and Eve. Yay, point for the women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, through what did God speak to Moses in the desert? Oh, that was a lot. That, that happened kind of quickly. <laughs> Who went first? Hold on, pause. <laughs> Tiffany was the first to raise her hand. So, women, a burning bush. Correct. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. I'm trying to see if I could find a little, little hard one. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Name the place where Jesus walked on water. I think that was Brother Sylvester. Brother Sylvester, I think that was you. Galilee for 5,000? <laughs> for 5,000 points, you got it. <laughs> Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. How many books have the name John in them? Oh. Whoa. Hold on. That was Brother Crawford. Um, three. Uh, nope, close. Uh, I think John. Uh, shouldn't the shouldn't, shouldn't the women take this one? You know. Oh yeah, that's that gets that's wrong. That's fair. That's fair. Sister Britt, <laughs> Stephanie, y'all got an answer? Is it four? It is four. Got a yes. Come on, follow my first line. Come on, Jonathan, you <laughs> a Bible scholar, sir. You just slow, John. You just slow. It's okay. Um, okay. What book did David write the most of? John. Psalms. Correct. Okay, okay. Y'all doing this. Let me see. I need something that's going to stump y'all. Okay. All right. Who else was in the prison with Joseph? Oh, John. A baker and a cupbearer. 
You are correct. I didn't even know that. All right now. <laughs> um, let me see. I need a hard question. Y'all getting these a little too easy. Um, which is a good thing. That means y'all reading y'all. They Bible. catching up, women. I need y'all to get some more points. They catching okay. up. I'm I'm gonna give you a two part. I'm gonna give you the first question, and if you can get all four, you're gonna get bonus points. So the first thing is name one of Jesus's brothers. John. James. Correct. Now bonus points if you can name the other three. Oh. Oh. Um. I'm pretty sure another one was named Joseph. Correct. Two more. Um, Did he chime in? I can't think of the other <laughs> two. So, Brother Sylvester, if you know, I appreciate the help. You already said the name, I know, so I'm out. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a hint. Um, one of them has the same name as uh, the one who betrayed him. That's an easy hint. I was about to say, that would mean his name is Judas. Correct. <laughs> and another one was a name of a disciple. Not Judas. <laughs> so what's the other one? Name? Is John? it Peter? What's his first name? Simon. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all don't let the men pass y'all up. All right, all right, all right. We're going, we're going to try to get it back, women. Okay. All right, this is going back to um, your Sunday school days. How many books are in the Bible? Symphony. Is it 66? Correct. How many books in the Old Testament? I don't know what happened. Do we have to read Was it Sister Britt? Yeah. Yeah, it was Sister Brit. Okay, we said Old Testament. Old Testament. Um, thirty-nine. Correct. How many in the New Testament? Is that my, is that my question or is it right hand? It's a new question. Who raised the hand first? Is that the Jonathan and, and Sister Brit? Yeah. It's showing Sister Brit raise her hand. Um, we said New Testament, so we're going to say 27. Correct. All right, when are we taking it back? We taking it back. Okay. Grab a quiz bowl. <laughs> okay, which human author wrote the most books? John. Paul. Bonus question, how many did he write? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I should have just raised my hand because Brother Crawford raised his hand. No, that, that was an accident. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody got an answer? Yes. A Six? bunch. A bunch. <laughs> That's a good one. Run Six. Six. No. I'm gonna say twelve. John is close. Very close. Fifteen. Less than 10. Okay, less than 15, more. 14. 13. Less than, 
13 <laughs> for the girls that got it. <laughs> All right. Okay. We, uh, we'll do a couple more questions. And then we'll wrap it up. That's too easy. That's too easy. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh. Who was the first son you got on the pad with Rachel? John. Manasseh. Not according to this list. <laughs> Repeat the question, ladies. Who was the first son Jacob had with Rachel? Oh, I'm stupid. <laughs> Jacob and Esau. Wait, wait. Rachel had. It was I. Is it? I'm so dumb. Pastor Ryan, not helping you, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta let the ladies guess, and if they don't get it, you gotta redeem yourself, John. Right. Oh, he had uh the hairy one and the smooth one. Um <laughs> name was changed to Israel, Jacob and Esau. Uh-uh. No, that was my guess too. Never mind. First of all, I said one son. So is right, it I single child? John, oh, you won't redeem yourself. Yes, because I realized the mistake I made. The answer. Okay. Um, Benjamin. No. Is it Isaac? No. What in the world? Wait a minute. <laughs> I was about to say Benjamin for real. Wow. The answer on this list says that it was Joseph. Oh, I'm stupid. Wow. <laughs> I, well, duh. Duh. That was my fault. Joseph and Benjamin were Rachel's only two sons. The other 10 were with uh, Leah. Bam. Mm. I need to okay. up on my Bible study. How many, well, okay, before I, yeah. How many wives does Solomon have? Oh <laughs> Raise your hand. It was a large number. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Crawford. I know he had like a thousand concubines or something. Uh, could I say 12? Mm -mm, it's a very large number. A hundred? Stephanie? I don't, this might be a really wild number. But I don't know why. I just want to say 700. You are right. Yay! <laughs> Come through, ladies. So I was right. Awesome. Right, what is the score? So the men have nine, the women have seven. Okay. That sounds about right. Uh -uh. We can't keep going to the all went now. This is going to the last question. And it's going to be worth five points. Okay. Mm. And Brandy, well, you're not playing this game, so it doesn't matter. All right. This last question is worth five points. Name two of the seven churches in Revelation. Mm. 
Oh, hey, John. John, it's over. A question: Philadelphia and Sardis. <laughs> you are correct. Bonus points if you can name the rest of them. Not you, John. Give somebody else an opportunity. <laughs> How many bonus points if they can name the rest? One for each one. It's five left. Okay. Lay the That's correct. That's one for the men. <laughs> I can't even help you out. I can't <laughs> nothing help me out. I don't even. I can't even think of one. <laughs> I do the one. You John said the one I knew. Yeah. Now, Joe, you wrong for this question because be, you know uh, he made Macedonia? this question for the game night. That's why I said he wasn't allowed to answer. You shouldn't have answered at all. That's true. <laughs> I thought I remember that question. I remember it stumped people. I forgot he he made. Wait a minute. It. So he already knew this one. It, negative. Take the oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like that one needs to be scratched off the list. Look, look. I, I didn't I didn't know uh the game. I ain't played a game and I got one right. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? Okay, we give it to you. We will humble ourselves and let you <laughs> Ah, I love it. I love it. Okay, we're all about humility over here. Yes. That hey, was man. fun, you guys. That was absolutely fun. So y'all want me to tell y'all the score? No. Yes. <laughs> <You> said no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> the men got 15. Ew. And the women got seven. Seven Good job. Good is job. a biblical number. So I would rather seven. No more completion. Hey. And my <laughs> favorite number. So I'm not even mad at it. But 15, you get completed twice and have one left over. <laughs> what? <laughs> completion and beginnings. And that that's is the number of completions. Eight is new beginnings. So that's. Y'all ain't right. All right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> We want to thank you guys for joining us today. We definitely appreciate you three for coming on here, being our first official guest, um, and having some fun with us. So thank you. We love listening to you. We appreciate you sharing your stories with us today. Um, but that is it for tonight. So thank you all for all of our listeners out there for joining us. We will definitely see you next time. Make sure you tune in for our Afterburner at 845, because that is always fun. And make sure you follow us on all of our social media pages. The link tree is on our Instagram. That is Triple C Podcast with three underscores. All right, y'all. Good night from the Christian Call Center with Jesus on the main line, and we're online too. <laughs>